Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. When I saw the documentary and I saw how like something that I did affected someone like in such a negative way that made someone feel the opposite of everything that I had ever wanted to do. Yeah. It made me refocus my whole entire career. This is a special presentation for the Believe in Pro Wrestling podcast. Here's Rick Uccino on the Believe Podcast Network. What is going on, you guys? Rick Uccino here on the Believe in Pro Wrestling podcast, and I am not alone today. No, SP3 is not with me. It is a very special edition of the Believe in Pro Wrestling podcast here. Anybody who has followed the show, watched the show, show joined along with the channel in the last uh, few months since we launched, knows that I love to talk about two things. Yes, I love to talk about professional wrestling. Duh. But I also love to talk shop. I love to pick the brain of fellow broadcasters and interviewers and 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 generally people who are far more successful successful than me. And that list is vast. So that really worked out well for me. Uh, but I, I talked to Renee Paquette a while ago. I had a chance to talk to Athena. So I thought I'd keep the WWE backstage train rolling here from Fox Sports. Oh, uh, Fox Sports. I almost said Fox Sports, Ohio. I'm a Cincinnati guy. So the old- <laughs> From Fox Sports, Ryan Satin. How's it going, man? It's going great. Yes. Fox Sports as a whole, Ryan Satin. Uh, it's going, it's going fantastic. How are you doing, man? I'm doing well. I think if you worked for Fox Sports Ohio, that'd be a bit of a demotion at this point. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I guess at this point, no, no diss to Fox Sports Ohio whatsoever. Well, it I doesn't mean, but exist I guess. anymore. It doesn't even it's Bally Sports now, so it doesn't even exist anymore. So you'd be working for a company that no longer exists. Uh, that would definitely be a huge demotion, yes. Now now that you explained it that way, yes. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, man, uh, I've been looking forward to this one for a while. We've been talking back and forth. Uh excited to get to, to chat with you today. I do kind of want to start there with, with WWE backstage because that was I loved that show. I loved the concept. I thought it was very well executed, and unfortunately extenuating circumstances being what it was man it just it just didn't work out which again everything has to be perfect in in broadcasting for for things to work out but do you still think that that that's a concept that that could still work right now and you know maybe there's a thought of a revival at least some variation of it here in the in the near future and if so where do i send my resume <laughs> Uh, well, there's three questions. There. So, uh, I know, you I can know. send your resume. Well, you have to send it to me and I'm not going to pass it along. Cause I don't want you to take my job. But yes, I do think that I absolutely think there's still a place for a show like this. I mean, backstage isn't off of the air because there wasn't a, a thirst for it or a, right. a, a, an interest in it. Uh, it. It's off the air because of the pandemic. So, and then that just kind of like, let snowballed into a million different things or whatever so um yes absolutely definitely still think there's a place for a show like wwe backstage you know i'm at fox sports still i'm one of the i'm the lone survivor i guess so uh yeah. you know i i um you're I the hero of the horror again. movie that is what it is you're the, yes it's exactly <laughs> what it is. well no i'm just the one they leave behind to, to tell what happened last you know in the last tale and then i get shoved to the side for the main characters so uh so i was like <laughs> but yes i would love it if there were another wwe backstage incarnation of some sort you know i mean um you know i do a lot of the digital stuff at fox sports uh not i'm not as much involved in the tv side anymore because of wwe backstage not being uh, around but i but i'm doing the digital side and um it's definitely something i've i've talked about i've pushed for not backstage itself but just like hey we should do something like that um, and so, you know, I've slowly been doing these Raw and SmackDown recaps. I've integrated those into uh, my podcast roundup just to kind of like, uh, just to kind of like, uh, you know, add a little bit more coverage to what I've been doing before. You know, I really like out of character and I, I, it's something that I heavily pushed for when I started uh, at Fox Sports I, officially, like full time when I wasn't doing wrestling sheet anymore. And so, um, you know, I pushed for it heavily because I really wanted another an interview show, you know, like backstage ish where you could see these wrestlers out of character i think that even though there was you know a little bit of kayfabe involved in wwe backstage i think that ultimately it was cool to see some of these people out of character when they were sitting there just kind of talking like mark henry and keith lee just talking about the business or you know certain interviews that renee were doing uh, was was doing they were cool they were, they were out of character and stuff and so i really did want to do a podcast like that when i started but i also you know like you said someone who works in the you know the the media coverage business and 
I still want to talk about Ron Smackdown. So I then then I pushed for doing the, the roundups as well. And so it is fun to kind of like get to do coverage while also doing the interviews. And yeah, I would love for one day to kind of like bring it help somehow help bring it all back together to do some sort of incarnation of backstage like where it's another sports roundtable type show. I love that you're continuing to to carry the flag for for mainstream coverage for professional wrestling, which is definitely something I, I want to talk about. Uh, here with you. But first things first, before we go any further, I do got to thank our friends over at Bet Online. Uh, we would not be talking here right now without them. They are the fastest, easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports contests and even, uh, excuse me, events with first to market odds and lines. Uh, get reviews, news for every league Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, esports, golf. It's all there. Bet Online continues to be the top online resource for all your sports information from live in game betting to props and futures go to bet online today use the mobile device sign up use our promo code believe 50 that is b-l-e-a-v-5-0 and receive your 50 percent welcome bonus on your first deposit bet online where the game starts talking with ryan satin here of fox sports not fox sports ohio and nailed, nailed that ad read uh, thank you i appreciate that um you 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 talk about all these different roles and trying to keep everything alive with with uh, wwe backstage the one thing that you're not doing anymore is what you were brought on WWE backstage to do. And that was to be that Jay Glazer role, right? Of you're going to break mm -hmm. the news of who's got the injuries, who's signing. And I loved it. That was one of the things that kind of like that NFL today type feel for it, which is what I really loved about that. And it's what I wish that they had before, you know, Raw and SmackDown. So I'm not watching Chicago fire uh, the last five minutes of that before, uh, before Raw comes on or Jeopardy before uh, SmackDown comes on. I'd love like a half hour, like pregame show kind of thing. Um, but I love that role for you, but you have gotten completely out of covering the news business, which could not have been the worst time to do that. Cause this has been the most newsworthy year in professional wrestling ever. Right. So I, yeah, what, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> why did you want to get out of, of, of doing the news? Because I know you've talked about this on social media before in a little bit, but why was it so important to cut for you to branch out of, of breaking news and, and get into doing something else? Well, I think that like, it was a, there's, it was a couple different reasons. You know, I think that you know, my my ultimate passion, like, as a kid, like, growing up, um, even as an adult, like, as much as the news was something I did, like, my passion was always more of, like, content creation. And, I, and that's not really a word that existed when I was younger. Uh, but, like, really, like, when I was growing up, like, the thing that I wanted to do was I just wanted to make other people happy. Like, I wanted to, like, help other people who you know, I was like, I don't know, I was like a sad kid. I was kind of an emo sad kid. And like, I did use television as like an escape, you know, like television was just like always there for me. And then when YouTube came about, like internet, digital kind of stuff, but like watching something like that and movies too, but like really it was like TV and watching my dad make television and like producing stuff that like makes people forget about whatever they're dealing with because so much that I watched pro wrestling, especially helped me escape everything that I was thinking about. You know, I'm someone who like overthinks constantly. I can't help it. And, you know, TV wrestling has always helped me escape from that, you know, and I can just kind of like check out and just lose myself in this thing. That's this fantasy world and, and, and just have fun. And so, you know, really like my goal in life was, to make things that people that would help pe give people an escape. That was really my ultimate goal in life. So when I went to TMZ, like I really wanted to be on the show. Like I did, you know, like it wasn't necessarily about the news. It was about being on the show. And so I started doing, you know, news as a way of getting myself on the show because I knew that the television show helped people be happy. But then when I started doing the news, I fell in love with it. I was like, man, this is so cool. This is so cool to be at the forefront of, of, of something that's factual that and, and know about it before everybody else. Look, don't turn that on mute, sorry. Oh, and just fine. to like and just to like know about something before everybody else. It, it was like a high, you know, like yeah, it I really was, that. you know, like there's a high to it where you're like, holy crap, like this is cool. And in a way, like, you know, when I was a TMZ. I wasn't doing that many negative stories and that's a weird thing to say for someone that worked at TMZ, but like, really they were like, Ryan, you know, when I started on the news desk, they were like, 
find a niche thing, tackle that, and become the best at that, best reporter at that. I was like, well, that's easy. I love wrestling. You know, I've been watching wrestling forever, and I hate, <laughs> I hate the landscape of wrestling news. So you want me to make facts? You want me to take one niche thing and make it more factual? Pro wrestling, you know? And so yeah. I started doing that. And, you know, I got hooked on it as well. And then, you know, it was honestly like, you know, I was doing backstage and I was liking it and I was liking the news thing I was doing. I felt like I was in a good place with everything. I was like, my news coverage was respected. Um, I was getting to do a TV show again, which was satisfying me on another level because it was what I, you know, as a kid, the real goal. Um, everything was going great to a certain degree and then um you know ultimately it was a uh, it was that story i did about sasha i didn't even do a story on it it was my tweet about sasha banks and bailey uh you know i i was caught up in the moment you know of just doing my thing of like what i thought was something that like just everything else that i had been doing news coverage wise um and you know i i felt confident in the in what i was reporting about it um, but then, you know, I saw that documentary that WWE put out and I saw the way something that I had done, a very simple tweet that I thought in my mind, you know, was no different than Stone Cold walking out or, you know, you know, things like that of the past CM Punk walking out, which I had reported on. Like I had never, you know, I, I, in my mind, it was like akin to just reporting on those kinds of things, you know? And then when I saw the documentary and I saw how like something that I did affected someone like in such a negative way that made someone feel the opposite of everything that I had ever wanted to do. Yeah. It made me refocus my whole entire career. Like I, at that point I was like, is this what I want to do forever? Do I want to reveal people's secrets that they don't want out there forever? Do I want that like on my conscience? every day and it was already weighing, weighing on me heavily and when i saw that it was like you know what dude i don't like i genuinely don't i feel awful i wish i could take it back i feel terrible you know i, I genuinely like i wish people understood how bad like i feel about it you know uh i just it's never what i wanted of my life and so at that point i was like you know what like i don't think i want to work in news anymore um, I love wrestling. I would love to continue content creation within wrestling. But I don't think I want to, like, be the guy who reports people's who reports stuff like this anymore. Like, it just didn't bring me joy in life. So I then, you know, at that point, um, started to pursue Fox Sports more heavily. I was kind of like, hey, can we make this more of a full-time thing where I'm more of an analyst rather than a news person? And, you know because of their deal, obviously, like, they're not looking for someone who's breaking news on, you know, WWE every week anyways. Right. Um, and, I, and I had a good relationship with the bosses there, and I was like, this is something I really think I could help bring to you guys, like, more coverage, you know, help expand the deal that you guys have with WWE. Um, you know, more interviews with all the wrestlers that are, that are available that just no one's doing because of this, you know, because there's a, there's a partnership there, but no one's doing some of these things now. Um, and, and that's kind of, like, where it blossomed from, of me being like, you know, I rather than being that Jay Glazer, like I would like to be someone who's just kind of like talking about the business instead. And and they were like, yeah, we'd love that. And so um, since then I've been super happy about it. And then, and similarly, like, you know, when I went to Fox sports, there was no like edict of like, don't talk about AEW anymore. Like no one said to me, Ryan, you can't talk about AEW. Not one person has ever said that in the two but and a half years I've been running there. theory though. Like, don't you hate AEW? That's what Twitter says. That's what Twitter says. I mean, I broke the news on AEW existing. I went to the first all in. I went to first, you know, I, I went to all the first shows of AEW. I watch it. Like I, I don't understand that running theory because I had a couple critiques when that's what my job was at the time. Right. And I also like some of those critiques that people still are mad about were early in the pandemic. And People in the company, they don't know that people in the company told me after, like, hey, you know what? That was actually as, as frustrated as people were about it, like what you said made sense. And we did take that into account and we did make changes. Like having a bunch of old people, older gentlemen in the crowd at the start of the pandemic when we don't know what's going on and we don't want something bad to happen yeah, to Jim yeah. Ross and Jake the Snake and stuff. And I was like, hey, maybe that's not the safest thing to be doing, you know? And 
and ultimately, you know, things have changed now. And so, uh, but I mean, yeah, I, the AEW thing, no one ever said, Ryan, don't talk about AEW. It was just, I knew that once I worked at Fox Sports, no matter what I said, if I had a critique, and it's still to this day, I tweet positively about a about AEW sometimes. Um, but if I had a critique about AEW, they would go insane. If I had one minor critique that I put out there, they would go insane and say, "You fucking excuse me, you effing no, you shill, <laughs> you effing <laughs> shill, you e drone, blah 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 blah." You're getting paid bootlicker, Vince is at all that stuff. And I, and no one can, but when I, you know, like it, it doesn't matter that I'm a fan. If I have just a minor critique, it doesn't matter. So I knew it would be even worse the second I started working at Fox Sports because there is a relationship with WWE. So I made the choice to stop talking about AEW publicly because I didn't want to have to deal with it anymore because I had already dealt with it yeah. the whole time it had been in, in its existence, and now I wasn't getting paid to deal with that anymore, and so I didn't want to. Yeah, the 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 tribalism of wrestling fans is probably the most not probably it is it is the most exhausting part about covering pro wrestling, watching pro wrestling. It's like everything has to be a fight, everybody has to make a point. And it's like just like what you like and 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 that's it. And if if somebody expresses an opinion that you don't agree with, Okay, let's have a civil discussion about it. That's perfectly fine. But when you start throwing insults out there and calling people marks and shills and things, like guys, guys, it's wrestling. It's right, re- and then it goes like even worse. Like people like Sean Rossap and Denise Salcedo and the abuse that they get on social media and the abuse that you've gotten on social media. I'm sitting here going, "Thank God I only have 2,600 followers. No one knows who the fuck I am, and I am perfectly fine with that." Like it I also, also realized, though, dude, honestly, like. I get it a lot less now. And you know why I get it a lot less now? Because I don't argue with as many people anymore. And I have learned, like, I, it was a collective thing I had to do, make it. It was a collective. It was a choice I had to make in my mind of, like, you know what, dude? I bet you if you stop arguing with every single person you disagree with in your replies, more less people will, will start to ar- try to argue with you because the – it's like the old bully. I had a I had a older brother, you know, and it's like my older brother. I, I had to learn one day that if whenever he got bored, whenever he came to bother me, if I didn't give in to the his his picking on me for his enjoyment, he would just leave, you know. And it's just like that on social media. Everyone's like that annoying older brother on social media. And if you don't feed into it, like they won't argue with you as much. And I I fall for the trap. And I'm not saying. I don't get mean replies <laughs> and stuff. But what I'm saying, like, but what I'm saying is, is like, if you argue with people less, it will slow down in your mentions. And I wish I, I, I think Saps still kind of see. I think I think a piece of him likes it a little bit. He like he like he likes to argue people. A <laughs> oh, bit. He, he's I was spicy. He's yeah, because yeah, yeah. I used to be that spicy man too. Like I get it. I get it. <laughs> At a certain point, though, it was like, man, my brain is spiced out. Like I need a break. <laughs> So just kind of diving back into what you're talking about, well, why you left news, man. And this is why I, I agree with you. And I'm I'm actually in the news business. Like my shoot job is at a news talk radio station. I anchor the morning news in Cincinnati, Ohio, 700 WLW, top rated news talk station in the country. Little boast there, but whatever, you know, that, shout that's, out, shout that's, out. That's where I'm at. Right. So I do that. But that's like that's like normal, like everyday kind of news. And you know, it's not really what I'm passionate about, but I'm not really like breaking that kind of news either and it's like i don't i I, it's like my anxiety gets the better of me like if i tweet out something like if if like if i do know something and i'm going to report on something even if i'm 100 confirmed that i got four sources it's easier to do that in stuff like the nfl or city council or something like that where things aren't prone to change every last little second. So what you tweet out may be factual at 3.30 on a Thursday, and then by the time 8 o'clock on a Friday rolls around, it doesn't happen, and then all of a sudden it's, you're making shit up, man. That was that didn't happen, this, that, and the other. In a world like professional wrestling, I, my anxiety would not let me do news. Like, even if I did the due diligence, built the sources, like case in point, Right ahead of SummerSlam in Nashville, you know, I, I had somebody who was in the know who tweeted out, who, who just casually mentioned to me that Pat McAfee was going to have a barbershop chorus 
for for his entrance. And I'm sitting here and I'm like, I could report this. I could tweet that out. One, does anybody care? And then two, what happens if it gets cut for time restraints? Because then I look like a total freaking idiot. I wrestled with that for like four hours before I finally sent out a tweet. Like nine people noticed it and no one cared after it was over. So it's like, that's just where my like I, my anxiety is. It, it, it's oh, so bro, like, I, to- I totally get it. I totally get it, dude. Like it's, it's stressful, <laughs> dude. It's stressful, man. Like when I was at TMZ, you know, at TMZ... You know, I had the, I mean, there was a little bit more anonymity at TMZ, even though I was on the TV show, like on the TV show, they're not like Ryan broke that story, it, you know, or so-and-so broke that story or whatever. On the TV show, it just, you know, I'm one of the people just kind of like talking about the videos or whatever. And then on the website, it just says TMZ staff, you know? And so, yeah. you know, there was that little bit of level of like, okay, well, ultimately I'm protected here, you know, like I, I'm, I'm protected here very rich lawyers here there's you know and they're all telling you what to do like you know people think that like tmz is like this running gun thing but there's like you know 10 lawyers there that you have to run every story by and you know all these checks and balances before it ever makes it to the website and so you know i had all that in place but i had grown to a level of like okay pretty good here like i've broken some of the top stories in tmz history you know i managed the weekend for a few years and at the end of my time there it was kind of like you know i'm really only enjoying doing the wrestling stories here and they were like it was kind of like well we want more than just wrestling stories from you and it was like you know like give us some kardashian stuff and i was like i'd rather talk about wrestling and so you know ultimately i left and then i started wrestling sheet and uh you know when that that uh veil of anonymity gets pulled back because ultimately that was my reasoning for starting wrestling sheet you know i had done tmz for you know five years or whatever and i ultimately realized that at the end of the day just like i said you know all the stuff i had done there the managing i had done there the work on the news desk i had done there you know breaking you know five of the top stories in tmz history um you know all that kind of stuff like nobody knew it you know, I was there and it was like, oh, he's just that dumb guy who likes wrestling on the TV yeah. show. No one knew that, like, I had been doing so much there for so long. Um, they barely even knew my name. <clears throat> so it was like, all right, like, let's do this wrestling thing. Let's, let's do a wrestling site instead. And, and, you know, shout out to a couple people. You know, Nick Houseman from Wrestling Inc. was someone. He was back at WrestleZone at the time. And when I was just needing that motivation he hit me up like hey man like i was a big fan of what you were doing at tmz and i hope that you continue your coverage in the wrestling space um then i got like a news story just for fun about virgil or something and i i tweeted it and uh you know tmz put it on their website a few hours later as if it was a story they got and i was like i called my old boss there like yo dude like you guys like, like we, we separate, we go, we go our separate ways here. And <laughs> then you use my stories, like, and, the, and, you know, one of my bosses who I'm still very tight with to this day, he was like, Hey man, like that did suck. They did that. But if you had a website where you had put this on instead of just Twitter, you'd have every right to be like, why didn't you guys credit? You'd have even more right to be like, why didn't you guys credit me? So why don't you make a place where you could put these stories like, and still do it? And I was like, yeah, you know what? I will. <laughs> I will. And so I, uh, you know, I, in secret for a few months, did the, did the website. But then when that veil of anonymity got lifted and I started doing it and it was all on me, it was a lot different. You know, it, it, it was very stressful. It did weigh heavily on my mental health. It's why I, to this day, you know, at Fox, like, I'm not like, I could talk about every single news. Story. No, there's no edict. Like, don't talk about news stories, Ryan. I just, I would rather cover the actual content on the television shows and and analyze that because uh, it's what they wanted of me. Ultimately, like no, you know, it's what it's. I'm not being paid to talk about the news, but there's no thing saying you can't talk about it. I just, I didn't want that to be my life, you know. So I was like, I talked about it for ten years. Uh, the news. I needed a little bit of a break from from talking about the news every week. But uh, I'm not against talking about the news now. I think I've had a. I think I've had a far enough break between it it's just uh you know i just it's not really what's being asked of me so it's nice to kind of like just step away for a little bit yeah um 
No, when I when I asked the question about why you got out of news, I really didn't mean to kind of dive down that 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 rabbit hole and you know everything like that. Have you had a chance to to talk with Bailey and Sasha and kind of bury the hatchet there a little bit? No, I don't. I mean, I don't think they'd want to talk to me. Per- honestly, like you know, and I get it. You know, like if I was really mad at someone, I wouldn't want to talk to them either. So um, I haven't really like had a place to say any of that kind of stuff. Like you know, I I don't know. Like I don't know. If, like. I'm a pretty, like I said earlier, I am a fairly emo person, I guess, you know, uh, and um, I don't even know how I would really approach that kind of thing. You know, um, I apologized once on social media and I, 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 I don't think it was received very well by everybody. And I've since reflected on that as well. And, um, but I, I, I don't really know how I even would approach it, to be honest with you. Like, um, I, I would love to, I, I would love to, I just, I don't really think, um, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, if I saw them in person, I would try to, you know, I just don't know if, yeah, I don't know if they'd, if it, I don't know if it'd be accepted. And honestly, like, I get it, you know, like I get it. You know, if I was in their position, I'd probably, I'd probably hate me too. Uh, so yeah, I don't, yeah, I don't know. I wish. I mean, it, it is a difficult thing. Oh, my camera went out. Oops. Oh, you're fine. Yeah, I, I figured something was going on. <clears throat> it turns off every 30 minutes. I don't know. Oh, it's all right. Um, <laughs> but yeah, man, it, it is a difficult thing. And it's like, you know, we, we're, I think it's an important thing for a lot of people to realize that we all are going to make mistakes. Nobody is perfect. And then if it's, you, you can learn from those mistakes. And honestly, like, I am, I say this kind of proudly like i am really fucked up in the head like i i am i have severe mental health issues and it's like it's, it is a constant struggle and a constant battle like you talk about nick hausman who i love nick even though he thinks my name is rich i absolutely love uh nick hausman he's he's a really really good dude and you know him kind of helping you along the way i've had people similar kind of help me along the way and, and pushing through it because when you look at it man like i started this channel in january the last thing the world needed was another wrestling podcast channel, right? <laughs> but this was, this was something that I, I felt I needed to do that. I needed to try to, to give it a shot. And, you know, I've been, I've been doing fairly well. You know, I've, I have a good relationship with WWE that I have spent years building and I'm working on that with AEW and, and, and others. And, you know, I wanted a, a place where I could do my own thing, much like you leaving TMZ and, and, and starting up the wrestling sheet. Right. Um, but it is a grind and it is a slog. And there have been so many times, even over the last like nine months where I'm just like, do I want to keep doing this on top of the two other jobs that I'm already doing and trying to, to raise two kids. Right. And at some point I got to be a, fa- a husband too, you know, and fixing up your house and fixing up my house. Yes. There's a lot in my life right now. And, you know, I do keep going because I do enjoy it, but there, it is a grind and it is a slog because it is so hard to you know, get noticed, honestly, because the market is surprisingly heavily saturated uh, for this, right? And it's like, you you have been one of these guys that has carried the flag for, you know, bringing pro wrestling coverage into the mainstream and making sure that it has done been done the right way for people like myself who are going through the grind and going through the slog and constantly questioning themselves about whether or not they're on the right path or they should keep going. Like, what what would be your advice to somebody in my shoes or somebody else's shoes who's even considering getting into it to kind of keep that going and to push through and, you know, try to find a way to break into that, to break out of the mold? Because there is so much out there right now. Well, first of all, it's super kind of you to say some of that stuff. I appreciate it very much uh, and, and about, you know, mainstream and all that kind of stuff and, and, and being a good, positive thing. I appreciate it. Um, to answer your question, I think I think you were kind of there already you know it's like if it's something that you feel passionate about if it's something that you feel like will bring you uh, some sort of completion like i think that that that's the reason to really be doing it if you think you can bring something different to the table then i think it's totally worth doing you know i think in in 2022 it's a lot different than five ten years ago like there's an you can have a small audience you know it was oops, sorry I, I you know like Twitch, for example, right? You can yeah. have like they they were kind of explained it to me, and the, they they said something to me that I, that that made me think about things in a different way recently. When I was talking to them, they said like, you might not think that like if you're doing a stream and there's let's say there's 
50 people watching live. Like you might not think in your mind, you go, oh, 50 people watching live. Sure. But, but if you were throwing a party and 50 <laughs> people were there, you know how pumped you'd be to have a party with 50 people? Like yeah. that's awesome. That'd be sick, you know? And I realized that, that you might not be able to make a career out of throwing parties with 50 people every week. But think how much fun you'd be having. And if you could have enough, enough fun to have to feel better about things and to be able to bring something different and provide entertainment for people. And that's ultimately what you're trying to do with like a show like this. So I think for you, like it is, you know, and, and others, like you got to keep pushing through, you know, like I have had, <laughs> you talked about me at mainstream places. I've had pushback every single place I've gone I believe it. about wrestling, you know, <laughs> like every single place I've gone, they're like, meh, meh. You know, every single place. When I was at TMZ, that conversation where they said, find a niche thing, and I said, oh, wrestling. I didn't tell you that their answer to me was, maybe try something else. <laughs> you know, like, I don't say that part of the story when I'm trying to give motivation to people, but it yeah. was like, maybe something else besides wrestling. And I was like, no, wrestling. Like, I'm telling you guys, wrestling. You know, and they were like, people don't care about wrestling, Ryan. And I was like, yes, they do. So I You just, know. Big I, difference. I, I you don't, but I know that they do because I know that I've been on wrestling internet for a decade, and there's a huge there, there's a bajillion wrestling sites with a hundred fake news stories on them. Like I know that there is a thirst for this kind of thing, and I'll never forget. Like I finally got a non you know sad death related wrestling story on the site, and the way TMZ worked back then was like there was a, a TV up in the newsroom and, and other newsrooms have this method as well. And it, it, it drives the news desk. It, it, it pushes them to, to get better news stories than their coworkers, because there's a, there's a TV on the, in the newsroom and it has all the stories that are on the front page listed or just it has all the top, it has the top 10 traffic stories of the moment, you know, and it refreshes every couple minutes. Right. And so you'd see, where your story was throughout the day, how well it did, your stories, plural, whatever. Right. You'd see how they were doing, right? And you'd see from the past couple minutes, it went down, it went up. And I'll never forget, like, I, I pushed for this wrestling story and they were like, no one cares. And I was like, just, just let me, just come on, just give me this one. You give know? me one, like, give me just one give damn shot. Just give, it, just give me this. It was like, because the way it would work, you know, we published some stuff overnight. So it was like, this is going to go up overnight. You know, just give, just give me the best. This is the last article the last auto published at the bottom of that barrel you know like come on okay and it was at the top of the board all day like because every wrestling site picked it up and every wrestling site was talking about it wrestle zones wrestling you know they all picked it up and it was above kardashian stories it was above all these like a-listers this story stayed at the top all day got tons of traffic and they were like all right, well, maybe you could give us some more of those wrestling stories, you know? <laughs> Meanwhile, Ryan Satin walks into work the next day with his chest puffed out, just strutting on into the office like, huh. That happened plenty of time where I was like, <laughs> guys, this is a huge story. And they were like, oh, this is not going to be an Us Weekly. And I'd be like, yeah, I know. It's going to be on every wrestling site, and it'll do huge. Or like, guys, I know. It'll be on BuzzFeed and it'll do 10 times better than us weekly, you know, or like, yeah. cause it was not, you know, non-wrestling stuff like that. And, you know, like, like when I did a story on Keenan and Kel, uh, and how and I had Keen, I interviewed Kel on like, on the record, he's sitting here telling me that like, things are not good between him and Keenan and that Keenan like, doesn't want to talk to him anymore. And I'm like, what? Keenan and Kel don't talk. And I, and, and I like, this is lead story tomorrow. And it'd be like, no, no one cares about that. And I'm like, what are you kidding? What do you everybody, mean? Everybody who was my age, their heart <laughs> broke when that's when that <laughs> yeah. And I was like, what do you mean, guys? This is literally gonna be the biggest thing on the internet. Well, I don't think anyone's gonna care about that. That one was what my <laughs> one of my bosses stood up for me. I was like, Ryan's right. This is the lead story. And they were like, okay, okay. And then, yeah, that was another walk back into work the next day. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, so to, to answer your question, it's like, it's persistence, dude. Like, it's what you believe in. If like, what you, you know, it's one of the things I, I, I try to explore as much as possible on my own show on Out of Character is like talking to these wrestlers about like when they decided to bet on themselves. Because I do like to find out like, you know, 
when people were like, you know what? No, I believe in this, you know? And, and for me, you know, like even with my show, like, you know, I, I had to push for my show. Like when I got there at Fox, it wasn't like, we're hiring you to do a podcast. It was like, we're hiring you, you figure out what you're doing. And it was like, wow, well, man, like, I was like, there was, you know, there was just, to me, I had been, you know, I did my website for five years or whatever it was. And the whole time, like I was the main person writing every article on the website. And there, I had other people that helped me along the way, but I wrote, you know, let's say 95% of the articles, you know, and, and I edited the other 5%. So like I, I did every article for the website and I was reading every interview that everybody was doing with wrestlers. I read them for five years and I was like, and I'd just sit there and I'd go, this is what you talk to this person about when you get a chance to talk to them. Like, you're going to ask them what everybody else has asked them. Like you're going to ask the same questions every single person. You're going to ask, you know, the Miz about the, you know, this. Like, he's done a million interviews. You're going to ask, you don't do a little bit of Googling first to make sure that he hasn't talked about this 500,000 times. Dude, I'm, I'm, I'm with you, man. Like, literally every, every interview that I do, man. Like, I talked to Shayna Baszler today. You know what I did before I, I did that interview with Shayna Baszler? I watched Shayna Baszler's interview with Ryan Satin on Out of Character. <laughs> That's exactly, I watched all 53 minutes of it. From did cover, you like it? Was I did, good? yes. Okay, yes, good. Fun. Yes, yes, I do. I, I really do enjoy your work, by the way. <laughs> Thank I you. I, I'm not Thank just blowing smoke, right? I, I, I genuinely do. I, I pass out a lot of compliments, but I mean them all. I genuinely do. I'm not an ass kisser. Um, oh, I appreciate it. I appreciate it. No, that was a fun conversation for me, too. That, that was a fun one because it's yeah, someone she, who I like knew in person. Yeah, yeah, and she she is a blast. First time I've ever gotten a chance to to talk with her, and it, it and it was great. But like, like even when I did my conversation with Athena, she at that point she had done like five or six interviews, and none of them had really blown up. But man, like, okay, so what can I ask differently? And I know that there, my audience probably hasn't watched. Maybe they watched some of theirs, and you're gonna always have some crossover. But man, I really dove in and I tried to ask out of the box different stuff that other people haven't covered. And it really, and that's part of the thing that I like about the position that I'm in. And I'm like, I don't like you, you get like you and Ariel Hawani and Renee Paquette, you guys are like the first ones out of the block. Right. So I know you guys do your research and you get to ask, but you guys like, you guys get the first crack at it. So when I'm like the 10th or 11th or 12th person to interview somebody, it really does make me hone my skills as far as doing research and, and asking questions that haven't been come up with. And I know you have been in a similar situation and probably coming up and, and doing and getting to the point where you're at right now. Well, yeah, I'm third of those people. So I also have to still do that. So, <laughs> so I also still have to do that. Yeah, totally. And, uh, and so, yeah, but I, find, I think it's fun, you know, like to me, you know, I really, with my show, you know, I didn't know how like, inside i could get with like behind the scenes so i was like when i cracked when i realized i was like you know like the shows that i listen to the podcasts that i listen to are like you know mark interview wise are like mark Marin and conan o'brien um you know uh there's like this happy sad confused podcast and i was like you know like besides happy sad confused like conan and mark Marin. They're not really getting like too behind the scenes with people. They're instead like trying to pull out who the person is, like to give a glimpse of like what it would be like to hang out with this person. And, you know, I started to think, you know, I was like, you know what? The behind the scenes is, is fun. You know, it's fine. I like hearing the behind the scenes stuff, but I, I would like to know what it would be like to hang out with this person, you know? And so I really do like try to get to the essence of like, what it would be like to hang out with this person, you know? And that's why I ask like just random stuff that has nothing to do with wrestling or sure. whatever. And it's, it's nice because there was literally similarly with the podcast. It was like, there, there has never been one edict of like, you have to ask this kind of stuff or that that's kind nice. of stuff. It was that's literally nice. just like, here you go. You know? And obviously I have producers who help me afterwards and the, you know, the stuff would cut sometimes or whatever. Or they're like, maybe that was a little too weird. Maybe no, you know, or whatever. But but ultimately, at the end of the day, like it's you know, it's it's a uh, it's it's. I think it's it's important for interviewers to do that research to try to make it a little bit different because it's so boring listening to an interview where you just hear the person talking about something they've talked about 
500 times and you're like, man, like you have Seth Rollins for 45 minutes and you like ask him something that he's literally done a whole interview already about so that his fan base has no interest in this because they've already seen them talk about all these things, you know? So yeah, no, I, uh, I'm with you on that, dude. The research is so key to me. I think the research is so important when you're doing interviews. Yeah, 45 minutes with Seth Rollins. I'd, I'd kill 45 minutes with literally anybody. In, in, in <laughs> Sorry, I should have told that 20 minutes. Sorry, 20 minutes. Go. 20 minutes, yes. I have gotten to go 20 minutes with somebody before, yes. Dude, you don't know, though. Okay, I'll be honest, though, dude. So I was doing the 20-minute interviews, right? And I was like, and I was like, you know, 15-minute, 20-minute interviews with, with all the WWE people. And then I was like, well, can't we just turn these into a podcast? You know, and then it was like, well, that's a little bit more of like a discussion, you know, thing, blah, blah, right? So then when it got there, it was like, okay, yeah. And I said, like, well, can they be 45 minutes? Because I was like, oh, yeah, the podcasts I listen to, they're all 45 minutes, you know? Yeah. And they were like, yeah, totally. Then I got the approval for that. And it was like, cool. And then it was like, shit. I gotta talk for 45 minutes now. You know? So, so, because you underestimate how long 45 minutes is when you're leading the conversation. You know, when you're, I know we've been talking for a while here, but when you really wanna get like, we're talking shop, like you said, when yeah. you really wanna get like deep in the weeds with someone on certain stuff, and like, it's like 45 minutes is longer than you think. Cause when you get to like 30 minutes and you look at your notes and you're like, especially I'm a talker, I'm gonna make it easy to talk for 45 minutes. Sure, yeah, yeah, same. There are some people who are like, yeah, totally. And you're like, oh, fuck. Son of a Excuse me, I got, I got 45 more minutes. And that person just said, one sentence answer. Okay, cool. We're doing this. All right. Like, yeah. all right. Also, when, when you are an interview like that and you do get somebody who, who's giving you short answers, right? Like, I think it's then on, like you said, to kind of carry the conversation a little bit. And, and also, I think, you know, be entertaining, be loose, be funny a little bit and, and kind of break them out of their shell. I remember an interview that I did, I did with Shotzi where I ran through like six questions in two minutes and I'm going, Oh no. Oh God. What are, how am I going to stretch this to 15? Right? Like that's what I was worried about. But then I don't know, like I started cracking some jokes and, and that was something I did a long time ago. And that was kind of like a turning point for me as far as my interview philosophy was going. It's like, all right, why don't you put a little bit more of your personality in there? And Cause you know, those 20 minute interviews that you get, you know, you got to talk about the pay-per-view or the documentary or whatever it is. So, okay, there's about five questions that you got to ask. Yeah, and you get this, like, tiny little part of, like, real personality in there of, like, okay, these are the questions I want to talk about. Right. And if you're interviewing Drew McIntyre, you maybe get one of those questions <laughs> yeah. because the guy loves to talk, which is great. But at the same time, it's like, all right, cool. Uh, let's get – I got ten things that I want to ask you. What's the best one? All right, Lynn, you know, and then, you know, squeeze it well, in. Well, that's there. why in my notes, I literally – like, when I have my podcast notes, I've got, like <laughs> I, – I, like – I have it, like, sectioned off, you know, and it's, like if – I, if I fear that it's going to be one of those people, it's, like, all right, let's put these fun questions up here first to, like, break them out of their shell a little bit because I do ultimately think that, like, especially in a 45-minute interview because, like you said – 20 minute is a little bit more like you have to hit certain things, you have to, especially when you're working for a publication, like you want to make sure that you have the content for a pay-per-view that's coming up or whatever that's being promoted or whatever. So you have this tiny little bit of like a real conversation. Um, but I do think that in a 45 minute conversation, it's much more of a psychology thing, you know, of like, how can I maximize this conversation? And I think that sometimes like you do like me personally, at least like I, I do look at it as like a little bit of a psychology game of like, okay, you know, you're going to, you're going to put like some of these fun questions right before the question that you know is going to be the most newsworthy. Oh yeah. 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 Totally. So that like, they're like in this good mood, you know? And then all of a sudden you're like, so tell us about this behind the scenes thing. Yeah, and then they're exactly. like, and they're like, oh yeah, and they're all loose already at that point, exactly. so they just start telling it, and you're like, yes, all right. Did, if did I can you. make them smile, I got them. <laughs> if I can make them laugh, they're mine, right? Like that—that's that's my whole philosophy. Is like, I'm in, I got them. Uh, I remember doing 20 minutes with Robert Rude, and that son of a bitch never smiled, not once. Oh, I couldn't the worst. Crack. Oh, the worst. <laughs> I'm cracking what I thought were really good jokes, but then again, he hangs out with Dolph Ziggler a lot, so he's probably you know used to people who think they're funny uh i anyways. did an episode with someone who didn't like me and i found i had to figure it out during the interview and i was like oh this sucks oh <laughs> no all right i won't i won't dive into the oh, behind yeah. the scenes question on that one i won't mm. Maybe after, <laughs> but like 
So you, you really do have like the dream job for a lot of people who get into this like like I do. Did you think that this would ever be kind of a possibility, right? Like we talk about pushing the mainstream. I have coworkers to this day inside the newsroom who can't like make fun of me. Not because I cover pro wrestling, not because that I use vacation days to go to SummerSlam and WrestleMania and work, right? But just for watching the damn thing. I'm like, motherfucker, you watch The Bachelor. Like, do you realize some of the shit that you watch? Let me enjoy what I want to enjoy, right? <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. It, is, it is a constant struggle to fight for that, that, that just acceptance almost. Yeah. So, like, I do feel like the wrestling industry as a whole is in a lot better place than it once was. It definitely could get better. But, I mean, did you ever think that we would at least get to this point where places like Fox Sports is is sending you out there and covering all these mainstream events and WrestleManias and you're getting to talk to Snoop Dogg on the red carpet for crying out loud at the at the at SoFi Stadium, you know, and things like that. Like did you ever think that you would kind of get here to this point? I don't know if I did, to be completely honest with you. I think there was a certain point at wrestling sheet where I didn't think it was going to be possible anymore. But I'm so glad that I've been able to kind of like turn things around and, and make it happen. You know, I think that when I was at TMZ, I did think it was more possible because I was a little bit, I had a little bit more, uh, a little more uh, confident in everything where I wasn't going to take no for an answer. And I was just, I was going to make stuff happen, you know? And so I was, I was making stuff happen at TMZ and I had pro wrestling sheet afterwards, but I don't know. I don't think that I thought that the Fox sports thing, I'd ever get to like this mainstream of a platform to cover pro wrestling and, and, even furthermore, like to go backstage at SummerSlam and do post-match interviews. I was literally standing beside like their interviewers in a row, like me and Sarah Schreiber. And then she goes up and does her interview. And then I go up next. And no, I never would have, I, I never would have thought that was possible. I've actually, I've, re I've really been trying to, uh, I've really been trying to uh, remind myself of that lately. Cause you know, it is easy with mental health and stuff like that to, feel like I'm doing so much or I'm still hustling or I'm still grinding. But like, if I were to look back at five years from now and like talk to myself five years ago, he would like slap me in the face for <laughs> any of these stresses that I have. He'd be like, just like you're backstage at SummerSlam interviewing every wrestler with a dream job. Shut up. You know, like he'd be so <laughs> mad at me, you know? So yes, like total. Yeah. I know I didn't, I would not thought I would be here and I am incredible incredibly incredibly grateful to have this dream job like you know i think that's part of what gives me that imposter syndrome every day is that like and i try to fight through it i think that's one of those things that a lot of people struggle with in whatever field they're in is that imposter syndrome thing and i do think it's because i am living a dream job like i'm getting paid to watch well to watch wrestling yeah, to, to interview wrestlers to where, you know, most people go like, oh, my shoot job this or my shoot job that when they're covering wrestling. And like, this is my job. It's been my job for 10 years, like only covering wrestling. And it's really cool. It really makes me happy. It It is something that like, you know, when I left TMZ, I, I really badly wanted to work in the wrestling business in some capacity. Like I really did. It was like, you know what? I really want to do that. And prior to TMZ, I just wanted to, I just enjoyed watching wrestling. Like genuinely wrestling has always been my escape. Like for so yeah. long, I didn't even talk about being a wrestling fan for a really long time. I didn't tell people I watched wrestling for the reasons that you just said. It'd be like, well, I didn't watch wrestling. And I didn't feel like. You know, it's fake, right? And I'd be like, cause I, and I'd love my favorite thing when they'd be like, oh, you know, it's fake. And I'd be like, no, no, pretty sure it's real. And they'd be like. They'd be like, uh, no, oh, it's not. I'd be like, uh, I watched The Undertaker die multiple times. <laughs> I'm very aware that it's re that it's real. And they're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. They get all mad. It's my favorite. I'd always mess with people. But you can't tell from my online persona that I like to mess with people, right? No, not at all. Uh, <laughs> uh, but, uh, yeah, so I think that, dude, like, it, like ultimately, like, no, I never would have thought I'd come get to this point. Because, like, I didn't even think what I'm doing – was possible like for someone because even when i started at fox like a lot of these things that i've done have all been just me being like hey what if we just do this and they'd be like well i don't know about that and i'd be like no we should try and they'd yeah. be like okay you know and then they'd like give me the opportunity to do it you know whether it's the platform that i kind of like do 
reactions at pay-per-views during where I've had some funny moments where surprise returns have happened. And then they, they liked it, you know, or, you know, some of the, the podcast or, you know, doing the backstage interviews. Like, it's all been a process. It's all been me being like, hey, do you think we can do this? Like, none of this stuff ever gets handed to me. It's always me being like, hey, and then working for it. You know, even, you know, you talked earlier about like, and we were talking about pushing through and, 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 and being persistent. You know, a year ago when I started doing the show, or a little bit over a year ago when I started doing the podcast, Nobody cared. People didn't care as much about TikTok and reels and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. But I saw the power of TikTok because my fiance posted a video on there and it got millions of views. And I was like, what's this thing? You know, like now she's got 50,000 followers on this random platform. Like, what is this? I'm going to start doing this. You know, like if there's, if this is going to connect me to other wrestling fans, I should be doing it. And I did it for a year without seeing like a ton of growth from it. But after a year of posting these reels and sharing the stories that I've been sharing on social media, dude, in this second year of the show, I have the wrestlers being like, oh, dude, like I saw the reel you posted on this. Like, uh, oh, man, I've been waiting for you to ask me on the show. I've been wondering when you were going to finally bring me on. Like, oh, I love this conversation you had with so-and-so. And I'm like, wait the wrestlers are listening to this show. That's so cool. You know, like that's like ultimately what I wanted. I said at the beginning, you know, I really wanted to entertain people and give people an escape. And if it's like the, the direct market of people that like I'm interviewing, that's even cooler that I'm giving those people an outlet to just kind of like unwind. I've had people that started in the company that reached out to me that were like, dude, I've learned about my coworkers through listening to your show. And then we like talk about it at work. And so that stuff's so cool to me. And so like, I, uh, yeah, dude, like, I think persistence is important. I got a little off track there, but, uh, yeah, I, I think it's all, I think it's all the persistence and stuff is, is, is important. And the main, I did not think I would ever get to this position. I was going to say, uh, dude, all my interviews go off the rails, so don't worry. About <laughs> but it, I finally got back to where I was at. Yes, I do. <laughs> I do think, uh, it's a dream job. Uh, I, I recognize that it's a dream job and I try every day to work harder than anybody else would in this position in order to keep it. You know, it, that, I don't think there is anything that is more cool and also simultaneously horrifying than the wrestlers read or watch your work, right? Because, like, when I got into the wrestling business, it was, like, right, it was in 2000, it was 2019, Royal Rumble 2019 uh, was the first time we did. We, we actually talked my bosses into the radio station about doing a, just a, a sports talk show, but about professional wrestling. Like, they actually decided to let us do it. And, you know, it was great. Didn't know nearly as much about professional wrestling as I thought I did, uh, which was fine because Jimmy Yang, who lived in Cincinnati, heard me and, like, contacted me after I interviewed him one time. And he was like, you don't know shit about wrestling, but I want to teach you about wrestling. So come out to my school. And I ended up training with him for 18 months. And that experience was, you know, invaluable. That's Uh, so cool. He's the best. I I love him so much. Right. He's really, really cool. He's really, really great. Uh, his daughter's awesome too. I think she's going to do big things in the in, in the business. Um, you know, and I, I'm rooting for her. Uh, I can't wait for her to be the first person that I've actually locked up with that gets signed to WWE. Right? Like, I can't. I, I want that to to actually happen one day totally. so badly. Um, like, and again, that goes back to Jimmy listening and yep. wanting to help. Right? Yes. But like, until then, it like never crossed my mind that these people would be listening to what I was saying or reading what I was writing. And fast forward to when I started working for another outlet that I recently just left. Um, I remember being at the SummerSlam press junket in 2020. What year is it? 2021. And Seamus comes up to me. He's like, oh, you work there, huh? Let's see. Who wrote the last article about me? And my immediate response was, it wasn't me. If you got beef. I'm sorry. I don't know who it was. I'm on the video team, completely separate. Please don't hit me. Like that was my initial, that was like my initial response. So it's like these people will pay attention and they will listen, which is cool. But at the same time, it can be frightening as hell. Uh, yeah. I mean, try walking backstage to do interviews at WWE when you were that guy for a time that people didn't like. And being like, oh, man, I hope I don't get punched back here or like back, like tackled into a back room and waterboarded. But it's always, dude, I like, I'd like, but it's the best. Like they're, everyone's very supportive. And I do think that I've shown over time uh, that, I, that, that I have, that I recognize that as well. Because I do think there was a time when I was a little more 
you know, I had a chip on my shoulder when I left TMZ. And it was like, nobody knows who I was at TMZ. I need to make everyone know who I am. Yeah. And I fell into that trap. I think that it's really easy to fall into that trap of social media where you you realize that, like, if you're criticizing something in a funny way, but even if you're being really mean, yeah. people are going to like, yeah, I agree. Because, I mean, like, it is a mean place, Twitter, you know? And I think that, like, it's really easy for you to forget that these words that you're saying that might be kind of mean the person can read these things not only can most likely will read these things if it blow up if it blows up you know and i think that when you're at you know let's say 500 at most 50 500 thousand it is so followers it is so easy well no one's reading this you know no one's reading this and then come back on no one's reading this you know and then when those tweets blow up or whatever, it, it, it empowers you almost. You're like, oh, I need to feed the machine with more of this because yeah. this is what the machine wants. And you get more followers, things move up, the people are agreeing with you. You're like, yeah, this and then you go like, well, this is just normal. This is what everyone's doing on here. And you're now you're tweeting things that you would never say in in person to anyone's face. But you think, well, the machine loves this. Is what everyone else is doing, right? You know, and this is what happens. And it, it's it's easy to do it. I did it for a while, and I ultimately, like you said, once I got to a certain level, it was like, and people, I not only were not just seeing it, but saying something to me and disliking me in per, in in the real world when I'd see yeah. them, it was like, oh, I don't want that to be me. Like I would never say those things. Like why do I even care? I don't care what you say, yeah. like what you do. Like I had this like, you know, social justice warrior like tag for a long time. And I ultimately realized like, you know what, dude, like that's not me in real life. Like I don't care. You know what? I, I, I let it become me in real life rather than being my true self. And like, I was like, you know what, dude, people can say whatever, like whatever, dude. Like I'm not, I'm not the, anyone's police. Any, I'm not, I'm not policing anyone, you know, like, yeah. Say what you want to say. Like, like, do I do I think you're a piece of shit if you make like transphobic, homosexual like jokes and stuff like that? Yeah, I think you're a piece of shit. Do I think like you know like if you're if you're making inappropriate jokes, am I gonna judge you? Yeah, I'm fucking really judging you hardcore, dude. You suck. And if I ever see you in person, don't talk to me. But I'm not gonna be the one out there like policing these people on social media anymore. Like, it's like I it ultimately I had to realize. Like what you said of like compartmentalizing things and realizing like what you do and don't need to do. And there are you know, so many times where it's like, man, because when when you're still at that level where you don't have that huge of a following, which, by the way, you can follow me on Twitter at Rick Uchino, um, you know, it, when you don't have that huge of a following, like you, you tend to notice like the little things like when your follower count goes down and, you know, like. You so, notice that when you have a lot of followers too, by the way. Just oh, so okay, well, okay. But, but, <laughs> no, that never goes away. Uh, but man, it's like you try so hard to, to earn these people. And like occasionally like somebody like you've interviewed will follow you and it's like the greatest thing ever. And then like you notice like somewhere down the line, like six months, they've unfollowed you. And it's like, what the fuck did I do wrong? Like, what? I, I don't even tweet out negative things. I'm like, does this person hate me now? Like that's like, and then they, they don't, you know, cause you interview them later in, in person again. And it's like, you know, they, they don't probably don't even remember why they unfollowed you. And I would never ask them in person because who cares? Twitter's not real, you know? And that's the thing that I have to remember. And it's, it's such a negative place already that I will type out something that is a criticism and I will reword it several times and more often than not, I end up deleting it because like, no, I'm going to focus on the positives and I'm going to cheer people who are doing a hell of a job. And if I do tweet out a criticism more often than not, it's about a character and their direction and storylines and not the person themselves. And that's the philosophy I take with social media. And unfortunately that's why I don't have a big following because negativity is what sells. Yeah, definitely. I mean, uh, to your point before that, I, Dude, I there's sometimes when some people have followed me on social media where it suddenly becomes like a, a like a, like a second guess myself before every tweet now because I'm like, oh man, do I want so and so to see me saying that? <laughs> like, right? Like, like, do do they will will they think I'm a dork if I'm tweeting that? Like, you know, so like, so I I completely understand. There's somewhere 
I check every once in a while where I'm like, God, I hope they didn't unfollow me. I hope they didn't unfollow me at this point. There's one who's not even wrestling where I'm just like, if they ever unfollow me one day, it's a very famous person. And I'm like, if they ever unfollow me one day, I'm deleting Twitter. It's over. Yeah, it's going to crush my entire existence. (laughs) And I'm pretty sure they've muted me at this point because they know that if they do that, it'll crush my existence. But then there are sometimes, like once a year, where the person does like one of my tweets and I'm like, did they not mute me? And they're just not on Twitter a lot? I don't know. Don't want to find out. Not going to bring it up. I can't. Who they and, are. and that's the other thing is like with Twitter, it's like I can't imagine. I can't imagine how many like notifications these people get when you do reach to a certain thing. It's like, how do you see literally anything? You turn so your like, notifications off. Yeah, exactly. So it's That's like the only way. Right. So you turn your notifications off, but again, like, how do you notice anything or see anything amongst the sea of shit that gets sent your way? So if somebody does retweet like an interview that I did, I'm like, oh, thank God they saw that. Right? Like, you know, well, you can that. you can like what you can like do you ever on twitter <laughs> this is a secret for everybody if, if, who's if, wondering if, exactly if what you're those, saying there if is this you one go of those to, fancy verified only things because twitter won't verify me and i hate I, it might it might be okay so go to your reply if you go to your replies right and you click that little wheel right and then you go to filters right um oh yeah and then you go to muted notifications you can click this button right there at the top of you don't follow. And so it'll only show in your replies the people that you follow. Oh. So that's how most of them do it. I I got taught that by someone once and I was like, whoa, that's really good. That's I think that's everybody can do that where you can change yeah, no, your I, settings. I, I totally could. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I think like that's how I think from what I've been. That was passed down to me, so I'm assuming it's, it's passed on to others of how you can, like, only see who you follow. And that way – because that would mean – I dude, I'd get lost in the replies. I'd get, like – there'd be, like, a million in there. Like, I just want to see my friends. I just want to see what my friends said to me and interacted with me on yeah. here doing. And uh, that, that was how uh, I figured – that's how I figured it out. Yeah, but, and uh, here's the thing. is like, my following constantly goes up and constantly goes down because, like, I, I double dip and I'm all over the place. So, like, I cover the, the Cincinnati Bengals for SiriusXM. So, during football season, I'll gain followers and I'll lose followers. And then when I tweet about wrestling, I'll gain followers and I'll lose followers because it's like, wait, we followed him for this and not this. And it's like, again, Twitter's not a real place. You can't take everything personally, all right? If somebody unfollows yeah. me, I, I I don't care. I might care for about 15 mm, minutes. You, and care, a little, you care a little bit. You care, I was gonna say, you care a little bit. You I care, care a little bit. Like, it just happened to me last week that I noticed somebody uh, that is a prominent star, and I'm like, damn it, that one hurts. But again, I think there should be a day. I've said this before on Twitter. I think there should be a, a, a national holiday, on tw- a national Twitter holiday, where you're allowed to unfollow, like, three people and if you get unfollowed by someone prominent on that day you have to just not take offense to it you just have it's just like a a unfollow free day where like because there are times where i'm like god this person's so negative like i don't want to see these negative tweets in my feed every day but i know if i unfollow them it will crush them because i know what that's like (laughs) and so i get in this weird like conundrum where i'm like Great. Guess I'm just gonna have all these this angry messages in my these angry tweets all the time in yeah, my and, and that's why I love I prefer the mute button, right? Like I I like to support people and I'd like to still be able to you know DM and things like that. But if there is somebody that I do genuinely like, but I don't necessarily like their Twitter activity, okay, I'll still support you, I'll still follow you, but I just don't want to see your stuff unless I feel like going oh, and looking for it. And that's that's why I love the mute button. Ryan, this has been a blast. I got a billion other things I wanted to ask you, but I've already kept you well over an hour at this point. Uh, Man, uh, for those of you who, for those who who don't know, and if they're watching this show, they obviously do. But anyway, where can they follow you? Where can they find your stuff? And and what do you got coming up? Because I know you were in LA. I know you got to do a lot of cool shit. Yes, uh, at Ryan Satins, where you can follow me on social media. But where I would really like you to follow me is the podcast feeds, Out of Character with Ryan Satin. On whatever podcast platform you listen on, uh, this week's interviews with Biggie, next week's Finn Balor, the week after that is uh, Seth Rollins and Becky Lynch, not together separately, but same episode. Uh, and uh, yeah, you can follow me on whatever platform, you know, podcast platform you listen on there. We're also 
on YouTube. So you can watch those shows on YouTube as well. That's the WWE on Fox YouTube channel. Uh, there's also clips from Raw and SmackDown, a bunch of other stuff there as well. So make sure you're subscribed to the WWE on Fox YouTube channel. Uh, I'm also on Twitch. You can find me there. I'm Ryan Satin Streams. I watch uh, really old wrestling content and uh, talk about it with everybody. But people ask me about the current stuff while we're watching it. It's just a fun party where we're watching uh, random wrestling that you've probably never seen before. We're not watching old WWF. We're watching like Titanus and El Ring from South America. Or- yeah, I, I've seen you tweet that stuff out, and I'm like, what on God's green earth is this? I, I've never heard of this. I don't know what this is. Some it's of a show from life. South America. Dude, it's the, it's it's from South America. It started in the 70s and last it's on again now, but it's had different iterations over the years. But if you watch it, it was so far ahead of its time. Like this is before WrestleMania, and they've got all these like goofy characters, music entrances, uh, you know, uh, special effects, all this stuff years before you know it happened in wwe it's it's all in spanish yes but it's 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 crazy to see how far ahead of its time this promotion was there's a mummy character there's a there's spacemen there's there's a creature from the black lagoon voltron the voltron is one of the characters in the promotion because they had like um a sponsorship deal for toys so uh that's fun we watch a lot of that but also we're watching stuff like southeastern championship wrestling and california championship wrestling from the early 80s and stuff where you're like this is a lot of wrestling a lot of wrestling and also stuff from the 50s like i went back to black and white too and was like going back to watching gorgeous george and bull curry and uh you know all these guys you've heard the names you know uh luthez uh all, all that kind of stuff too so it's super fun to just kind of like watch these people you've heard, whose names you've heard a million times but you've never watched like yeah. semen art thomas uh real name of a wrestler now he's referred to as sailor art thomas but uh, in the 50s he was seaman art art, <laughs> art thomas and it's the funniest thing when he comes out they're like the seaman come into the ring and you're like, uh it's great yeah it's great i'm so, sorry uh, when i hear that all i think about is that south park episode where they spoofed uh it's, it's just like that but it's from the 50s and it's his actual name. Like when they said it, I was like, Are they calling this guy Seaman? Like, what? <laughs> like, it's the funniest thing, dude. I, I, oh, and, and he's in the WWE Hall of Fame, but it says Sailor Art Thomas. And in later years, he became Sailor Art Thomas. That, it, it, that boils down to a very smart marketing decision. That's exactly <laughs> yeah. what that was. <laughs> or maybe not. He could have had a good niche going on there. He could have sold some good T-shirts there. Seaman. Yeah, uh, and then on the back, Art Thomas. It's Seaman. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. So that's where you can find me doing weird stuff. And, Rick, uh, I, I really appreciate you having me on here. I'm glad we finally got to do this. It was a fun yes. conversation. Yes, absolutely. Uh, hopefully we get to meet in person someday, which is weird that we haven't considering we've covered like six events together. Uh, so eventually we'll, we'll run into each other and, uh, you know, we'll, we'll get, we'll grab a drink or something. Guys, uh, thank you so much for, for tuning in here today. Uh, if you enjoyed what you see, pound the thumbs up button. If you're new to the channel, please hammer that subscribe button as well. Got a lot of cool stuff coming out here, uh, soon, uh, ahead of all out, uh, possibly after all out and clash at the castle as well. Uh, thank you guys so much. You have been listening to or watching a very special edition of the Believe in Pro Wrestling podcast brought to you by Bet Online. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.